Welcome to the Rocky Mountain Christian Church Podcast. Rocky is a community of believers who want to know Jesus and love like Him. Let's take a listen to this week's message. It's good to laugh though, isn't it? I think we roll in, sometimes we roll into Christmas and there's just so much good about Christmas. I mean, so many things that we enjoy and, and we laugh about or we smile about or we just feel that warmth in our heart and the affection for people, all the different things, family gets together. There's so many good things. Now, if reality sets in, we would also say that Christmas can be something to not laugh about sometimes too, right? I mean, there's some of you that roll into Christmas and uh, whether it's been loss or difficulty or whatever it might be for you, you say there's not a whole lot of laughter this Christmas. And, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if the celebrations for you this year just kind of, um, when you see other celebrations, you see people online and their family celebrating and maybe your family's not. Maybe you've just decided to be safe this year and not do Christmas or maybe you've lost somebody this year. And you're walking into this year going, man, this will be the first Christmas that that person's not at our table with us. It might, Christmas might actually accentuate some of the feelings, some of the loneliness, some of the difficulty that we feel. And so sometimes we look at something like that and we're like, man, it's just good to laugh. Like, it's just good to escape some of the reality of the things that I may be going through. It may be that you sent a college kid off to school this year. And they're coming back and they're going to be there. But every time they leave, it's that, man, that first time of them being gone. There's so many different things that we can look at to say, man, Christmas might be a little bit difficult. Now, if we just roll with 2020, man, that's kind of the word of the year, is it not? It's, things have been difficult. I mean, man, whether it be shutdowns, whether it be all the different things that we've seen with isolation that we've seen because of shutdowns, not being around together, not going and doing things. You see people that are going through financial difficulty. And they've been laid off their jobs. There's been difficult things that have business leaders are saying, man, I'm rolling in the holidays and I've had to, I haven't wanted to, but I've had to lay off numerous people before the holidays. I mean, you roll into this year and there's a little, it's good to laugh and to just be kind of escape our issues a little bit because when we roll right back into the reality of life, 2020 has been a dark year. Like it's been difficult. How many times have we all said, man, I cannot wait to get to 2021. Let's get done with 2020 because we're kind of sick and tired of it. You're probably sick and tired of hearing me talk about how sick and tired we are about it, right? I think we roll into Christmas time and we look at some of the realities of our life and there are so many good things about Christmas, but there are also some things right now in your life, some of you. Actually, I would say all of us. There's probably some darkness somewhere. And for some of us, it's not darkness as in loss. It may be darkness of just anxiety. Maybe just darkness of stress. If I can just make it through Thursday and get to Christmas Day, man, everything will be good and we can start to relax a little bit. And then some of you are like, man, I'm gonna relax on Christmas Day and then I'm rolling the next day again. When am I going to get a break? Well, here's the thing. I think there are a lot of things that have been canceled in 2020, but here's what I think we need to understand today as we talk about the Christmas story. One thing that has not been canceled is Christmas. And when you step back in, I'm not just talking about the holiday. I'm talking about the meaning of the day, the person who came. Man, you can never cancel the gospel. You can never quarantine the gospel. You can never hold back the benefits of the gospel. You can never hold back the blessings of the things that God wants to give us. And it's in the darkness of life in which God sent his son to bring life. Isaiah chapter nine, if you have your Bibles or you have your phones, I want you to get there and Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah speaks 700 years before, 700 years before into a time where God's people were going through political and financial unrest. 
There was a king of Assyria that was outside the gates. He was wanting to come in and destroy Ahaz and, and Jerusalem. And Ahaz was the king of the southern kingdom. And he was, uh, this Assyrian king was coming in saying, I want to destroy everything. I'm taking you over. And Ahaz was looking for any way he could get out of this. People were uh, in financial ruin. The people were struggling for food. The people were struggling for all kinds of things. And they saw this king at the doors of their sacred city. And they were wondering, what are we going to do? And Isaiah walks in and gives this promise. Isaiah the prophet walks in and 700 years before Jesus comes, he gives this promise that a son was going to come. We know Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it talks about a son will be born to you. They'll call his name Emmanuel. He will be God with us. And if I'm part of the people, if I'm Ahaz, if I'm some of the other people in the, in the court, in the king's court, I'm going, what, what does a prophecy that's going to happen 700 years later, what's that do for me now? And what God was leaning into, and I think it is good for us to understand, because sometimes we can look at our problems, our issues, and our difficulties and disappointments of life, and we say, God, great. You sent Jesus, but could you not have taken care of the evil and the difficulty now? And God says, I want to help you with that right now. It's interesting to note that in Isaiah, 700 years before Christ, there was a son in chapter 8 that was born. Chapter 7, and then there's actually a son that was born in that time. And there was a prophecy that was fulfilled that was taking care of the financial and political ruin of Israel and raising them up again and destroying Assyria. God took care of their problems in the moment. He cares about day-to-day stuff. But what God cares deeper about is the ultimate problem of our separation from him. And he said, one day I'm going to send a son, and he will be this. And into the darkness of their lives, into the darkness of our life, Isaiah writes this prophecy of what the son, who was going to bring peace and grace and love and kindness and forgiveness and all those things, writes what his character was going to be and how he would bring these things. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says this. For to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from this time, from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Isaiah writes and he uses four names. There's one we're gonna talk about today, but he uses four names. He says this son that will ultimately come because you want relief right now? You want relief from disease? I wanna give you relief from death that causes disease. You want relief from broken relationships? I wanna give you relief from the broken relationship with me that will actually invade, if you fix that, will invade all the other relationships you have in your life. You want peace right now, I want to give you peace for eternity. And so Isaiah writes in and he describes the character of this son, this God that was going to come. And he says he's a wonderful counselor, the one that will give supernatural wisdom in our time of need when we need guidance. He'll be a mighty God that will give supernatural strength to the weak and the oppressed. He'll be an everlasting father that will be there always. When we need him, even when we feel most alone and unappreciated, he will be a prince of peace. That will bring peace to our relationships, that he will right relationships, he will give wholeness to our relationships, he will give peace on earth and goodwill toward men. But the one that stands out to me in this time, if you look at statistics right now, statistics say that counselors are 
um, they're, um, the people they are meeting with, how many people they are meeting with. I've talked to a couple counselors in the area. They said, Sean, we have never seen a time like this. It was interesting, early on in COVID, um, there was actually not early on, it was the month of October, there was an article that came out that talked about Japan. Uh, the nation of Japan in one day or in one month had more people, so catch this, had more people in their nation attempt suicide and die from suicide than they had die from the virus COVID. You step back in and you just wanna just attempt to talk about the reality of the darkness that we feel there are more relational problems, marriage problems, abuse going on. There are so many things because of the change in what's been happening. The isolation that we feel, the stress that we feel from being isolated. And there's this idea that Jesus steps in and he says, man, I'm coming. I'm going to be a mighty God. I'm going to be an everlasting father. I'm going to be a prince of peace. But I'm going to be the wonderful counselor. And if you step into the Hebrew language and you capture those two words and what those two words mean, it's pretty incredible. The first word is this. The word wonderful is, is the word pele. It means to be beyond understanding. It's a word used that when, you, when something is too wonderful for words, the Hebrews would use this. When you could not describe something, like all the emotion and all the elation of the greatest moments of, of anything in your life. I mean, think back to that first date. Think back to that first date with that person, that person you got married to, whatever. You just think back to that date and just how incredible it was. Think back to your wedding day, how awesome that was. Man, think back to the day your first child was born. You think back to the day I got in baptistry with our kid today and saw him baptized and how amazing that was. And all the different moments in life, you think of the most beautiful scenery and the most beautiful things you've seen. I remember driving around the corner um, and seeing the Tetons for the first time and just going, wow. You take all that, you add that together, the word wonderful here, Pele, is the idea that's like a millionth of 1% of the awesomeness of God. It's describing and saying in the darkness of life, you need to understand that this wonderful counselor will not just be beyond something you can describe, it's beyond the words awesome, any word we could use to describe how awesome something is, it's so far beyond that. And then it jumps in from the word Pele, and the word Yahwitz is the word counselor, and it means one who advises or instructs or guides from a position of authority. There were priests, and there were kings, and there were prophets. This was the idea of a king. It was used of King Solomon in the Old Testament. It talks about Solomon was the wisest person who ever lived. You remember they would bring people to Solomon. There are amazing, crazy stories in the Old Testament of the wisdom that he would bring to difficult situations. And what this verse is saying, that like Solomon, but much, much greater, this king would come with authority, authority over every problem that you have, authority over every situation, every difficulty, every circumstance, authority over all of those things with the ability to lead you out of every hurt, every problem, every difficulty, and every disappointment. You see, the, the idea here was to those in great darkness, the prophet said, and immediately the people thought of financial darkness, uh, political darkness, um, all, uh, disease and darkness. I mean, you just want to apply those things to today. Some of you feel like, man, this year has been really dark. He's saying that in the midst of those things, I care about your here and now. And I am sending a counselor that will be far greater than you can ever imagine that can lead you out of anything you're dealing with right now. But ultimately, 
He will lead you out of everything the world has been dealing with sin since the first three chapters of Genesis to say, I'm gonna lead you to eternity. I don't know if that brings some excitement to your heart, but I think in the pastoral situations that I have been dealing with over the last few months, I would tell you that brings some excitement to my heart. To know that even in the midst of the difficulty that people are feeling right now, there is a counselor that if they will lean on him, can lead them out. Now, here's what we have to understand about this counselor. The book of Hebrews goes on and says, he gets where you are, because I think there are some of us that sit back and we say, well, that counselor's probably so impersonal, he's not connected to us, I can't see him, I can't feel him. How does God know what my issues are? Hebrews chapter four, verse 15 and 16 says this, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize that word, empathize, to connect, to feel with our weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And that is the Christmas story that God was born as a baby, that Jesus came and he experienced everything that we have experienced. There's not anything that you've experienced in life that God has not been through personally. And there's no other religion on the face of the earth where it's found, not its founder, but its creator. The one who is in charge, the God, the, the person who is the focal point of that religion. There's no other religion that says that that God humbled themselves to become one of us and to experience the daily problems and difficulties that we experience. And then there's no other religion that that God was willing to give his life for our problems so that we might be made whole again. You see, there's nothing you can't bring to Jesus that he hasn't seen, he hasn't experienced, he hasn't felt the problem of, and there's nothing that you can bring to Jesus that he hasn't died for. And I think that's the beauty of Christmas Jesus steps in and he says, in all this darkness, I've ultimately overcome it, but I've given you a way out of it right now. If you will follow me, you can experience wholeness in this life. When I think about a wonderful counselor, it means, it's interesting to me, I, um, I've talked a little bit and been open about some of the issues that I've worked through leadership-wise. I've also talked a little bit about some issues that we've worked through, my wife and I, marriage-wise, and, and we've gone to some counseling. And it, it's interesting that I think one of the things that is, that is beautiful about this passage is you realize that when Jesus is laying out, he's saying, I'm the everlasting father. If you need a father, man, I can be that for you. If you need a good father, I can be that for you. I think he steps in, he says, man, you need strength right now. I can be that for you. You need peace in your life. I can be that for you. But one of the things I love about that idea of wonderful counselor is it just reminds us that God's there for people who have problems. Like God came for people with problems. And here's the funny thing about problems is when we say, man, God came for people with problems, we usually think, man, everybody else got problems. You know, I'm glad. Now, some of us, we'd say, I got problems. But some, we don't tend to acknowledge our problems. We tend to push them away. And the consequences of those problems just keep getting us. And a lot of us, we sit there and we say, we don't have problems. You know, it's funny. I went to a counselor and didn't realize how many problems I had until I went to a counselor, Right? <laughs> But you know what, that counselor helped me deal with those issues. And you see the effects on relationships 
You see the effects on your anxiety. You see the effects on your peace. You see the effects on your leadership and leading your family and leading here at the church and other places. And you see that when you begin to acknowledge those things, that counselor comes in and helps you. You see, God came for people with problems. Maybe we should say God came for people with disappointments. It's a little easier to handle, a little easier to talk about. God came for people to deal with loneliness. God came for people who deal with depression. God came for people who deal with failure. God came to be the wonderful counselor to help lead us through and even out of those things. And so I'd simply ask you today, what, what problem or disappointment or difficulty or hurt or failure are you dealing with right now that maybe you haven't wanted to acknowledge, but there is a wonderful counselor that says, if you'll just acknowledge this to me, I can do something with it. I can take it and I can do something with it. It's interesting in scripture, scripture talks a lot about pottery. Lisa Turkers writes a book and I was reading in this chapter and my wife was actually reading it with my daughter and she was talking about it. She says, man, I think for your mess, there's something in this because we look at problems we look at problems, and we tend to think that problems tend to cancel things in our life. I mean, this problem or this failure is going to cancel this opportunity for me. This problem in this relationship may ultimately cancel that relationship, and I don't know if I'm ever going to be loved or cared for like I desire to be. We have a tendency to look at things and say, our problems cancel opportunities or blessings in our life. What is that for you? Here's the thing. Christmas proves to us, Easter proves to us, that our problems and difficulties do not cancel the blessings or the plans or the purpose of God. They confirm it. They confirm our need for it. They confirm the opportunity. And in Lisa Turker's book, she talks about this idea of pottery. And she talks about how potters will actually take pots and they will break the pots uh, old pots, they will break them down and they will smash them and they will take the dust that is left that's called grog and they will actually form that dust from old pottery, from broken pottery. Catch that, broken pottery. And they will, it's, it's important how they break it down. They will take hammers and they will smash it down to just the fine amount of dust and just the right coarseness to be able to put it back into a pot. They'll put it into the clay and they'll begin to reform this clay. And how it's broken down is really important because if it's not broken down enough, it will, it'll cut the potter's hands as he forms the clay. If it's broken too much, it actually won't do anything to strengthen the pot to be able to make, allow the potter to make it bigger and stronger. And if it's done just right, it will even put some depth into the artistry of the pot. And so the potter will take that grog or that broken down pot, put it into the pottery, and he will make something stronger and more beautiful out of it. Lisa Turkers just talks about the idea of our life and our problems and our difficulties and our disappointments. We look at them and we think they're going to cancel opportunities. They may actually confirm and give opportunity for God to do greater miracles in our life. You know, if you really step back and you look into Scripture you see that every miracle Jesus did started with what? Started with a problem. It started with a person who needed to be healed. 
It started with a person who was afraid. It was started with a person who was hungry. It started a person who didn't have, who had need. It started with a person who had died and needed some life in them. Every single, pro, every single miracle started with a problem. And so you walk in and say, today, man, I have no problems. You don't, you miss the miracles. But if in every single one of us had an opportunity to acknowledge the miracles in our life or the problems in our life, we might just find an opportunity to find a miracle. I, I don't know about you and I don't know what's going on in your life, but I would say this, that if you want to experience the wonderful counselor, there's three things you must do. He has ultimately done what you need. It's his grace. You do nothing to, to achieve your salvation. You just believe in him and receive and respond to him. You saw some people respond to Jesus. They placed their faith in him. They confessed their sins. They repented of their sins. They asked Jesus to be a part of their life and they were buried in baptism. You should do that. Receiving Jesus' Holy Spirit and seal of salvation on you, it, it takes care of your ultimate problem. But if you wanna experience some freedom now, first thing you need to do is you need to get honest. You need to get totally honest with yourself and with the problem you have, the disappointment the discouragement, whatever it may be. It may be a job, it may be a relationship, it may be a failure, it may be something you said right now that's just eating at you that has divided a relationship forever. Maybe it's a habit, maybe it's addiction. You gotta get honest and you gotta say, here's my problem. The counselors will tell you, if you don't tell me everything, if you don't just give me the whole thing, I can't help you. The wonderful counselor says, I came to help you. I died on a cross. I did it. I did the work that needed to be done. If you'll just hand it to me, I will deal with it. The second thing is you gotta want to be healed. I think sometimes we shove our problems in the background. We shove them under the rug. We don't want to acknowledge those things. Jesus in John chapter five, there was a man who was sitting by a pool and Jesus looked at him and he says, man, it, the man said, can you help me? And, the guy said, well, I, I wanna get down in the pool. When they get in the pool and the pool would be stirred by an angel, they would be healed, but people would beat him down in the pool and they would heal the first person, but he wouldn't get healed. So the guy looked at Jesus and he said, but every time he gave all these excuses and Jesus looked at him and he said, do you wanna get healed? And the man said, yes. And Jesus said, pick up your mat and go. Sometimes Jesus is standing there right with us just saying, do you want to do what it takes to get healed? Are you willing to acknowledge it? And then whatever I tell you to do, are you willing? Do you want to do that? St. Augustine said, God, heal me, but just not right now. <laughs> not ready to do the work, not ready to give up the thing. Some of us this Christmas, the greatest gift we could receive is just to give our stuff back to Jesus so he could give something new to us. And then the last thing we need to be willing to do is just to do anything he asks us to do, to do it all. Whatever he asks in scripture, whatever he asks when other people give us wisdom, whatever he asks of us to do, I am ready to do it. J.D. Greer says you have to put your yes on the table with God before you even ask the question. Before you even say, God, what do you want me to do? And he responds back, you gotta put your yes on the table and say, man, I'm ready and willing to do whatever you want me to do. And I'm telling you, if you have not received Jesus as your savior, you do that first. He gives you his Holy Spirit and he says, I will give you the power because we do nothing else in life this way. We never make an agreement with somebody and say, okay, I'm in, now read me the contract. No. 
faith, you do that. And you may sit there today and you may say, man, Sean, you don't know my problems. You don't know my stuff. It's, it's too big. I can't handle. That's too big for me. God gives, God's given me more than I can handle. And Lisa Turkers in her book, she says this, God has given you more than you can handle. He gave all kinds of people in scripture more than they can handle. He's given all kinds of people in this world more than they can handle. He's given you more than you can handle alone. And in the chapter, Lisa Turkers is writing out of a year, writing out of a year where her bowel ruptured. She had an issue in her stomach, her bowel ruptured. Shortly after that, she found out that her husband had had a long-term affair on her. Shortly after that, they were divorced. And then shortly after that, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. You wanna talk about feeling alone? You wanna talk about like, God, you've given me more than you can handle? She just constantly says in her book, she says, here's the thing, God never leaves us alone. And you can choose to stay in the hurt of your problems or you can choose to have him heal your heart. You can choose to have him with you like to walk with you through every single thing. You see, Christmas is the proof that God didn't cancel his plans for you. God didn't cancel all the power that he wanted to display for you. He didn't cancel anything in your life. It, man, life might make it hard, but he says, the difficulty of life actually confirms my power and my plan in you. And if you will trust and you will stick with me, I will never leave you alone. Lisa Turkers ends the chapter with this. She says, I looked at my life and saw that so many things felt impossible. She said, after living with those things, and if you know her story, she's back together with her husband. God has created redemption there. She's healed from her diseases and things she was dealing with. And God has opened up doors for ministry for this lady. She's like the most prominent writer and women speaker across our nation right now. God said, even the broken junk, I will just mold and shape into you to make you stronger. It'll be more proof of me. Lisa Turker says, my life felt impossible, but now I figure out that impossible is not so bad. She takes the word impossible and she actually takes it and she divides it up and puts an apostrophe after the word or the letter I. And she says, impossible just means actually with God, I'm possible. His plans for me are possible. Getting through this difficulty is possible. Being healed is possible. Forgiveness is possible, and so is salvation. And I just say to you today, maybe you need to get serious with God this Christmas and allow him to give a gift to you by you just saying, here's my junk. Would you just exchange it for something better? Some of you, you just need to say, man, can I just exchange my junk for Jesus? <laughs> and all you have to do is to get down on your knees and to say, Jesus, would you be a part of my life and then respond to him and then schedule your baptism and allow the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus, the greatest gift, the one that Christmas led toward, be applied to you. And I wanna encourage you, church, to remember God has given you more than you can handle alone. <laughs> but with him, he might just turn that problem into a miracle that other people see. Let's pray. Father God, as we close our services today, I, I know there are some. There are some that are watching online that are just struggling with difficulty. And Father, for that person, don't let that person get away 
today without reaching out. And so whether they put it in the chat or whether they email us or they reach out to someone on staff or a friend in their small group, Father, allow them to have the courage to say, I gotta, ch- I gotta change something. Jesus, would you allow something to change in me? Father, for people that are here in the room, both campuses, God, I pray that they would have the guests to come down. If they just need prayer after the service or maybe they want to accept Jesus, I pray they would come down and talk to our prayer counselors and maybe get set on a different path today. And then, Father, for all of us, I pray that we go into this Christmas no matter what happens and remember that the problems and the difficulties and the setbacks and all the things They don't cancel your promises. They just confirm our need for it. So God, help us just to dwell in you this week and appreciate all that you've given to us. God, we love you. We thank you for the baptisms that we've seen today, for the people accepting Christ. We thank you for just the blessing and the promise of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.